Okay, I thought I'd get the book plug out of the way early this week. The British Bloke Decoded is finally out now. By the time you listen to this, it will be available to buy online. Not just order, buy it, it'll get delivered. And listen, if you like the tone of this podcast and the way that we talk about stuff, I think you're going to enjoy this book. So please go online uh, and order it, and I'll shut up now, and we'll get into the podcast. Oh, and another thing, I'm sorry, evidently, I'm not going to shut up. Uh, if you buy the book, where however you buy it, whether you buy it at the gigs or if you buy it and bring it with you to the gigs, I'll be coming out after every show, and if there's people there that want me to sign their books, I will do it. All right, let's get on with the show. What most Hello and welcome to episode 216 of What Most People Think. There was a note of fear in my voice. I don't know if it definitely is 216 of What Most People Think. And I am coming to you after the first five dates of my tour have been begun, concluded, and they were all good fun. But it was during the heat wave, so there were. what was nice is there was a lot of women fanning themselves. And I just imagined for a moment that that, that was because of my presence, but it was just because they're middle-aged women and it was fucking hot. And a man who might have had a similar experience, as you can hear there, joining us this week is Mark Steele. Have you gigged in the heat of women fanning themselves have, in your I presence? That. I think it must have been your presence, Jeff. Was it a sort of, was it a bit like um, if there was a stand-up scene in the 1820s in the yes. rural Hampshire? And Jane Austen was writing about it. Coquettishly. Yeah, because, no, there's, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Jane Austen, but one thing I did learn from reading Pride and Prejudice, I think it was that, is that, um, that they had all these different ways of using a fan that, mm. that signified something different. So if a lady in a ball used a fan from left to right, shall we say, I don't know the, exactly what it was, then that would... Yeah that would be a come on to the sort of gentleman uh, to oh. come and dance. And if it was sort of right to left, then that'd be, don't you fucking come near me. Uh, that'd, be like, that'd be like the 1820s version of like, what is your problem, innit? <laughs> and if she was pointing directly at her groin, she was bang up for it. That was the... Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. But that was, yeah, but with the fan. Yeah, that was very much the Regency. That's very much the Regency way. Did, did you... Did you... <laughs> Lady Duff pointed at her groin with yonder <laughs> Did you did you gig at all in in, in the in the mad heat? No, I haven't done a show since uh, June, and so that was uh, end of June. So that was sort of I, I sort of avoided that. I quite like it. The masochist in me quite likes it. I sort of think, oh, we're yeah, you know, you got to suffer for your art, man. You know, I quite well, they like say that. well, they say it's supposed to be hot for music, cold for comedy is the ideal thing. But right. what it did was it brought out a slightly like wild side of the of the audience. I mean, it was it was just too fucking hot. Like you know, but for some reason, the actual response to the comedy uh, was pretty was pretty out there. I mean, in, in Leeds though, so a couple of the venues had set up quite a decent sized fan off in the wings, which kind of kept me cool right. enough. But in Leeds, you know, the city varieties were yeah, I do know it, yeah, yeah. So is it, there's no um, there's no like uh, aircon. There's nothing. It's very old old no, building. It's very old. Very. In fact, it's a sort of Jane Austen type. Set up. It's a musical. I mean, literally, it's a musical. Yeah, it's and, beautiful, um, but yeah, you, it's if stunning. You ask for yeah. A PowerPoint for a kettle, then they laugh. <laughs> if they want, if they want tea to be warm, they can sit on it. <laughs> 
the um, I had this I had this fan like you know like the the ones that people put around their necks and train on their faces. I would say it was one size up from that. So what it meant was on stage, if I was directly in line with it, I, I stood a chance. But if I stepped left or right of it, so I had to sort of adopt this very static mic stance, which is very unlike me, you know. Yeah. Like a sort of sort of Stuart Lee type, right? I'm just I'm, oh, right. I'm telling dropping truth bombs here, guys. But I just couldn't <laughs> afford to fucking move. Uh, yes, yeah, so I don't mind quite. Do you ever get that? You know, when you do a show and you uh, you come off, there was one I did. Oh, it was it was the sort of earlier heat wave. I think it was Workington, and I came off in the interval, and my shirt was so like yeah, yeah. bring it out, and I had to get an, another one that I had in my bag and put that on for the second half, and. Uh, I don't know. I felt a little bit like, oh, I've I've earned this tonight. It's pathetic, isn't it? Yeah, I, I just think that the problem. There's two problems. Is that I, I think that women don't like looking at sweaty men generally. Like I, I remember how many women used to talk. Oh, Lee Evans, but the of oh, the sweat, the sweat, and 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 the and also the other thing was was a lot of people said to me. A lot of people said to me, "Why didn't you wear shorts?" And I just thought, I just I I would not wish to see the shins no. of a man in performance. It, the shins of a man are not. I think you can do it. Yeah, yeah. I think I've done that at a festival. I think you introduced me once when I was wearing shorts because I, uh, but largely because I didn't know I was going on for about ten minutes before. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but uh, that, but um, yeah, I don't see that. There's a bit of me because I'm sort of close enough to the the era, the completely different era, the era of the old style comics that this generation of comics or this sort of movement of comics, whatever you want to call it, replaced. But something that I think we took from that, something that my generation took from that, is like it should still be a show. It should yeah. sort of like the lights go down, ba 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 bum, and on you come, and you should have ironed your shirt. And there's a bit of me I know this now. I'm not sure. I see a 21 year old comic one come out and their shirts half tucked in and half out, and they're going, uh, "All right, how are we all doing? Uh, uh, all right, you all right?" And I, I start getting all as if I'm 75. What the hell? You can't project. This is brother for goodness sake. Well, yeah, then you then you do write into the mail, but you'd refuse to buy it to see if they printed yeah, your letter. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what a peculiar place to be in. I mean, that is, you know, this is what most people think. If you listen to this podcast uh, for the first time, it, we deal in these areas of, I'd imagine that most people would probably concur with Mark, that for God's sake, iron your fucking shirt, get oh, your head up. Shirt. And, and, and look at the people. So, you know, obviously I'm coming uh, from slightly right of centre, but we have guests from across uh, the political spectrum. One thing that has been happening recently is, is I've, I've been getting in trouble with the listeners and um, and, 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 and the Patreons. So you, you have a Patreon for your uh, podcast, your excellent podcast, What the F is Going On. Um, right. And and there was I had uh, Finn Taylor on last week. Now, I think if somebody listens regularly to the podcast and has been a Patreon, I deserve to hear them out. I think probably there was, when Matt Ford come on, there was a bit of a hullabaloo and I was probably a bit flippant. So I just want to address a couple of things that he said. So he seemed to be particularly annoyed by Finn Taylor's take generally. And then obviously by what, extension... Uh, no, no, sorry, one of my Patreons, oh, rather. Right. So there was a hullabaloo about Matt Ford a while ago, and then there's been another, well, right. just one guy, right? And, and so I don't know if he's still listening, but he seemed, and, and then the by extension, the idea that I didn't take him on for the things he was saying. So some of the things were, one of them, which is that uh, Finn made a joke about he had a, a very macho build around his house, right. and... In the end, he said uh, to, to, to sort of punish him for his behaviour, he's going to send a strongly worded letter or fuck him up the arse. Now, in isolation, <laughs> that is quite brutal and stuff. I think, 
I think it was an allusion back to him saying that he was from private school and that that was all he had in his armour was the stereotype of private school. Now, I, I would say, I didn't. we were not for one second saying that a man fucking another man up the arse is a punishment. Um, and, 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 and also, and, and, I, and it's, I'm not, I was not piling into the attack on same-sex attraction by, by any means. I think... But here's the thing. So if you are listening, mate, is that I listened back to that because I listened back to all of them. And I did think it had been a while since Finn had set it up with the stuff about private school. So I thought maybe I should take that out. But then I thought if I take it out, I'm doing exactly what I criticise other people for. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can't be censoring on that level, because after all, even if we get it wrong as comics, these are just jokes and stuff. Uh, and, And then he also said that we were we were flipping. We were discussing the cancellation of Rasheen Murphy and stuff. And um, Finn had a take where he said that he didn't care because she wasn't famous enough. Which, again, I mean, Finn did set himself up by saying, he said, I'm the kind of guy that's never been punched. So that's very much where he's coming from. So, look, if you have if you have flown the nest uh, from both the podcast and the Patreon, it's always a shame to lose people. But I, I think maybe you just got really annoyed with Finn Taylor. I think that if you're listening to a podcast by a comic, or indeed anything by a comic, and, you're, and your complaint is that, the comics were being flippant. I think you probably got it a little bit upside down. Mm. Yeah, you know, that would be like you know, if I was to listen to a podcast by um, if I was to listen to a podcast by Ed Miliband and um, and Rory Stewart, I would I write in and go, well, I'm a comedian, and they're not being anywhere near flippant enough. <laughs> talking about sustainable energy. There, 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 there. Where are all the jokes in that? Fucking solar panels, this. Bloody wind turbines, that. It's... Yeah, all this grown-ups in the room shit. <laughs> it's, Where... If it's comics talking, I think you're going to be... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I have an issue. When I have people on, he's like, I, I never see it as my place to say to a comedian, because oh, I mean, it's, it's the opposite of where we want to be creatively, of saying you shouldn't have said that, or, 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 that, or that's a bit rough, mate. Because the whole thing of what I talk about and how I talk about it came from originally thinking that I should never do that myself. You know, I shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't self-censor too much. So, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm always, look, if someone's been a long-term listener and a patron, I think that they're at least, you know, I should respond to what they've said. But ultimately, I'm, ne- I'm never going to, shut down or censor another comic well I think I know we've talked about this before I get very um, frustrated with people on the left or right who will say oh I was a fan of yours but (laughs) you said something I disagreed with which I probably didn't even disagree with but I just made a joke about it you know which would be like someone going I always liked your in town show but then you went and did one about Shrewsbury which is the town I'm from and you shouldn't take the piss out of Shrewsbury because it's lovely. And that's just... Well, that's it. it's interesting you say that. So another thing that the guy brought up was with the, uh, Finn made another joke about um, concrete falling on uh, in schools in Kent. Yeah. And he sort of said that it was a good thing that the kids there were bright enough to evade it. So, I mean, as I'm saying it back now... <laughs> I, and and the, the, so the guys are always saying, well, you, you, you want a gig in Kent, you know, you should sort of think about what you say. And then I remembered that about three weeks ago... I listed every single one of the tour places I was going to and insulted every single one of the towns and cities on there. I also welcome new patrons by insulting their names. So, again, I, I like I say, it's a sad, sad to see you go, but I, I cannot fucking stop doing what I do. On that note, we do have a, a new patron here. I just won this week. Uh, Michelle Zachary. 
Michel Zachary. I mean, we often like speculate on who these people are based on their names. I would say Michel Zachary is the breakout chick lit novelist of the year. I'd say the new Michel Zachary. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With um, with a sort of shortish novel about 150 pages mm. uh, about... Um, Oh, I don't know. What would it be? What would it be about? Hounslow, people living in a, an estate in Hounslow, maybe. A female cricketer in Afghanistan. There you go. Then, then it, gets then moves over to Hounslow. And to, who picks, moves to Hounslow? And it's called the longest innings. But actually, the real struggle, <laughs> the re, the real struggle is living in Hounslow. <laughs> and because of a confusion with the name, she actually gets picked to play in the men's team. Yes. It was a very commendable 36 not out in the second innings. <laughs> <laughs> but then Mancad someone. Um, yeah, and she's, <laughs> she's cancelled. Yeah, and it's and, and ultimately cancelled for all the things that, you know, having grown up under the Taliban, <laughs> having having survived Hounslow, she's eventually a refugee yeah. because of Mancad in somebody yeah, as a non striker's end. Striker's end. <laughs> And our super patron, <laughs> our super patron, David Domain, uh, he, he, I didn't get him, have any contact with him. So he normally feeds back on the previous week's show. So I hope, I hope that David uh, is okay. The thank you this week. And if you've got a fuck you that you'd like to do, Mark, then go ahead. Just anything okay. you want to get off your chest. The yeah. more parochial and petty, the better. Um, the thank you this week is just, look, I mean, obviously the book is out now, so you can buy it now. If you're buying it, if you've bought it, if you're buying it for someone else, I, I can't thank you enough. And just a reminder that if you have bought it at all, you, I'll be signing books after every show, whether I'm selling books there or not. I'll be around briefly afterwards, so you can bring it along. Uh, and, and I will and I will sign it and I'll do I'll do I'll do a bit of sort of genital touching outside the jeans um, I think that's fair if you buy both books a little just a little little yeah. light rubbing yeah yeah I think yeah. you know I'm not going to go Spanish head of the FA I mean I'll ask yeah 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 no I think that's I think that's fair and I think uh, Emil Zola used to do that apparently Dostoevsky a lot of the, yeah doing tours from that in <laughs> Katerinburg that's how this Penny, Penny Dreadful's got their name, didn't it? <laughs> well, Dick's uh, got in terrible trouble for it, of course. <laughs> That's how he got his name. Didn't even ask. But, sire, <laughs> you, have purchased my, you have purchased Dombey and Son. Is that a Dickens book? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that the one? Slightly obscure, yeah. Uh, yeah yes. It is not one of my, fav my favourites, and therefore one is, one is surely entitled to, to both scrotums. <laughs> I like cupping of the balls. Uh, we can do um, a fuck you here. I'll just do a quick fuck you from a patron. You know, if you if you are a patron, uh, you can message me. I'll respond to them. I always respond in the end. But this is from. I'm not going to name this guy because I don't know if he'd want to be named because there might be a professional implication here. But he says a fuck you to craft beer boys. Having worked with them all summer at festivals and ev events, I do not feel sorry when you see one of them has gone bust. Uh, they are the most incompetent and miserable bastards you would ever meet. A bit like these people that see having tattoos as a personality. They think owning a craft brewery is a personality. Nah, they're twats. This is this is what this is exactly oh, no, what a fuck you is about. Yeah, I don't know what that's. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I, you know, I love all that craft beer stuff. But the people that open up companies and call it like right. fish dog. Yeah, and, maybe. Maybe I'm willing to live with that though, because I really I know there's one in Crystal Palace, right opposite the station, 
and they're a bit like that. But then I think, oh, yeah. there's these barrels. I'm a sucker for all that, you know. A barrel. We love a barrel. I suppose Brewdog is the one that comes from for a lot of stick because it's become. Yeah. It, it's just it's just when something is called punk and mass marketed. Yeah, it, it always grates a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there is all that sort of thing, you know. Karl Marx community communal ownership ale. <laughs> <laughs> now on the FTSE index. <laughs> yeah, now now owned by Schweppes as a parent company. <laughs> the Karl Marx community ale that would fucking sell, man. That would. They would absolutely lap that shit up in Shoreditch. Yeah, levelers level common ownership of the land from 1649 and and musket. Oh, 4.8%. With, with notes of musket and shrapnel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, you have a, do you have a quick fuck you, something that you're a bit fed up with? Oh, I've got loads of things I'm a bit fed up with. Uh, well, let me pick one at random. Oh, this is a common one. I just think that sometimes, right? So I bought a new, I bought this very laptop which we're on. Which hopefully by the time you, you good people are listening to it, you won't be aware that there's all sorts of complications with it. Oh, that's all right. But buying it, I bought it from the uh, Apple Store. In- <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave this bit in. Just as Mark was about to talk about what's going on with his laptop, it died. <laughs> I'm going to leave that bit in there, Mark. I know you're logging back in now. Oh, fuck that. That's possible, isn't it? But I'm going to leave that in because you were just saying, so I've got this new laptop and yeah, yeah, literally yeah. on cue died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, do you know like the way that they can listen now for what we're <laughs> talking about? And I was talking to someone the, the other day about, oh, I'd love to go to Liechtenstein because I've got a fascination with sort of like silly little countries like that. I, I once went quite a lot out of my way to go to San Marino. I don't know why. I just, I've never been to Liechtenstein. And the next day on my Instagram thing, I got the goals from Liechtenstein versus Bosnia-Herzegovina. <laughs> oh my God, they've reached into your brain and they got it right. <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting. And I thought, that must be it, isn't it? Am I not, I'm not being mm. conspiracy theory. No, no, it happens. I mean, I, I think we, it's one of these things we'll look back and go, why didn't we care more about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's blatantly happening. Yes. But now, my fuck you with all this sort of world of laptops and so on. So in the Brighton, in Brighton, I bought this in Brighton in the Apple store. And... I went, to, I went in there, very, very nice people. First of all, they're called geniuses. And I thought, that's, he's a bit full of himself, this bloke. He's going, hello, I'm a genius. <laughs> but they are, that's what they are actually called. The job that's title. The job title yeah. is, is genius, which I doubt. I mean, a genius. Isaac Newton was a genius. Leonardo da Vinci was a genius. If you fucking know how to plug a bloody thing and turn it off and on again and... That mm. doesn't make it anyway, but there enough, it wasn't there, you know, not their fault, they didn't call themselves that. And then uh, I said, oh, I'd like to buy a laptop, and the guy went, um, okay, well, um, you have to make an appointment and then I, I can speak to you. I said, oh, okay, when will you be available? And he said, well, I'm available now, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I said, well, but what, I've got to make an appointment to speak to you. He said, yeah, I can do it on this iPad. And I said, and then when can I speak to you? He said, now. <laughs> I said, but I've got to make an appointment. Yeah, otherwise I can't speak to you. I said, right, well, I'd like to make an appointment, please. And then he put in a load of details, and then he went, now I can speak to you. <laughs> and this is the work of a genius. And then, <laughs> and then he said, and then I said, I just want this laptop. This is the one I want. And, uh, and then I couldn't buy it 
for a reason that was to do with their their bureaucracy. You couldn't buy it. I had to buy it with my phone, but the, it was too much for the phone to accept it or something. So then he said, oh, you'll have to buy it online. So I then had to buy it online, even though I was stood in front of him, having made an appointment to see him who I was already talking to. And then I said, right, can I have it now? And he said, no, when you buy something online, we can't deliver it for an hour. I said, well, deliver it to me here now, and you've got it in your hand. Mm. Delivering it doesn't involve you getting in a van and driving around. You've just got to hand it to me. He said, no, I can't give it to you for an hour. So I said, well, I've just got to stand it for an hour. And he went, well, you know, I don't know what else you want to do. Uh, and I said, well, could you show us how to at least maybe maybe we can transfer all the stuff from the old laptop to this one? And he said, oh, we can't do that here because all the cables have changed, all the little nuggets in the side, mm. of the, they're all different. So all the stuff that goes in your old laptop won't go in the new one because now there's a fucking special hexagonal pyramid, upside down triangular dodecahedron fucking thing here <laughs> uh, with a bloody pickled onion juice that we've got from the fucking, it has to be apple pickled onion juice. And I, ah! and I was going, well, this is mad. This is all mad. And then, so I went round the corner to a little high street one and they just did it straight away. Lovely woman called Irene from Bulgaria. I didn't even charge me. And then I went back and he said, well, you, we could have done it here, but you'd have had to make another appointment <laughs> with a process we call the time machine. And I said, if I'd known you were selling a time machine, I'd have bought one of them off you and gone back to the 15th century where they didn't have fucking computers. And, uh, and the woman who was working there, to her credit, she was from Slovenia or something, she said, Mr. Steele, I think it is best you do not buy laptop as it's giving you much stress. <laughs> <laughs> that is an absolutely epic fuck you. All right. We're going to move on. We're going to be talking about some of the subjects coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about the waving of EU flags at the proms. Absolutely outrageous. We're going to talk about the potential banning of disposable vapes and also these uh, these XL bully dogs. You'd have seen them all over the news. Uh, so there's a clamour to get those banned as well. And then we'll, we'll also be talking about, you know, with the book being out, we'll be talk I'm going to be asking Mark uh, a few questions uh, in and around basic blokery. But first yes. up, uh, let's talk about these outrageous bastards with their EU flags. So the other night, the last night of the proms, which, I mean, the levels of things that I can motivate myself to give a shit about, the last night of the proms has <laughs> always been, I, I, growing up, you know the bit where they do the bobbing up and down, I always thought that that, I just felt sorry for them, I always felt sorry for posh and middle class people, that that was like their mosh pit, you know, that they were just <laughs> gently bobbing up and down. Dun, 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 dun. My mum quite liked it, she was weirdly into classical music, but, so you're just very, vaguely aware of it, you never know any of the other nights, really, it's the mm. last night of the proms. Yeah, the ninth That's, night of the proms. Yeah, what is that? Is that is that like any good? Yeah, I loved it. I'm a big fan of classic music. I went to uh, uh, one. I was asked to speak. It was after I did the lecture series on the telly. One of the shows was about Beethoven, so they asked me to. I I might have introduced it on BBC Four or something, or do a sort of bit about Beethoven, and they give me and a mate a ticket. I've got a mate, one of my oldest mates, who's absolutely adores. I mean, he also loves, you know, any sort of wild, crazy, love Nick Cave and any sort of music, like, you know, some of the wildest stuff. Uh, but also Sibelius and that sort of thing. It is, uh, there is something very beautiful. And it was the, no, it was the, 
it was the hip hop of the day, you know. And I, without wanting to sound like the sort but of did they when you went company, but with, did they do the Bond themes though and Jaws and that? And no, I don't remember them doing that. No, this was a bait. see if they, if they do the film stuff. I went I went to one where they do the film stuff. I, I'm up for that. I'll be, if they played Indiana Jones, I'd be laughing. But I'm not. I'm not doing all the other stuff. And and so you know, I'm, you're vaguely aware that this thing happens. There, there does seem to be controversy around it. You you know. And this year is that there were people outside that were handing out EU flags and in outfits. So quite a lot of them got down the front. And then when it came to Royal Britannia, and I don't know if this was a coordinated attack, um, they brazenly waved their EU flag. So you get this sort of thing where, like like most issues these days, where the, the the sort of extreme responses at either end seem faintly ridiculous. First up, just like, all right, if, if that's what gets them off, if, if, if smuggling a little flag in down the front <laughs> and waving it, I mean, they didn't get the outcome that they wanted. I sort of think, I think it, it's a bit like, reminds me, do you remember after the Brexit vote in 2018, they had a thing called the Wooferendum, where loads mm-hmm. of EU voters were meeting up to go and walk mm-hmm. their dogs and create a groundswell yeah, for someone who for, went on that, yeah. So, so it's had a problem, the Remain movement, with seeming a bit naff, you know, ever since it started. But, but I wasn't furious about it. I was just like, okay, if that's their thing. And then the BBC come under attack for, um, I don't know what, really. I mean, like, for not just cutting the transmission. I don't, I don't really know what they were supposed to do that's, in that situation. These, these things are... The, the people that are outraged are so, so few. I don't, is anyone really, really outraged by it? I mean, I suppose some people are outraged enough to go and take the EU flag. The Beethoven, oh, the the, the um, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is was the EU tune, wasn't was it? Was it Ode to Freedom? That's an yeah. absolute banger. I like that one. Yeah, da, 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 da. so that's yeah. So I can understand that, but then to smuggle it in, I, I, you know, I know. I if, it, if they got off on it, you know, f- fine. Uh, it, it, it's kind of a bit embarrassing all, all round. But then I think that there was the Richard Tice, who's the head of the Reform Party. Mm-hmm. He seemed genuinely exercised about it. And I suppose he's the head of a political party. He's got to try and parlay this. But there is this thing where, you know, I, I think there was a while. Where, when the left got a bit cancelly and a bit censorious, there was a, a period where the cultural right was kind of an interesting place to be. It was like suddenly they found themselves like, oh, we're the free speech ones. How the fuck did that happen? Um, but it does feel like recently it's sort of rebalanced where you get a similar number of pricks on yeah, either I side. I think there is a lot of that. I think that there were people who headed the Remain campaign. Uh, I think there's a number of people who were in the forefront of the Remain campaign who have a big problem with coming to terms with why it lost. Now, you know, I was... Uh, I voted remain and I very much wanted remain to win uh and but not as much as now now I think it was much more the disaster that, that people were predicting or not total disaster but but pretty much bad but what I think a lot of people prominent in the remain campaign from top to bottom don't seem to be able to do is to work out why they lost and why it was that the remain campaign couldn't win the argument it couldn't it couldn't convince people of the importance of it it couldn't really convince me i mean i just thought well most of the people who i sort of like are on this side and i you know i think mm. the other side is being driven by some very unsavory people it's not that i particularly think the european union is a um is a marvelous institution necessarily but 
I, I mean, I, there was one... I know I'm not going to sort of try and pretend that one person on Twitter is representative of everybody, but I think it was representative of a certain level of thought, which was there was someone who complained to me about why I was engaging with someone who, who's voted Brexit. Might have been one of these left-wing Brexit people, I don't know. And I, I said, well, you, we've got to talk to people. You can't write off anyone. What's the point of having, you know, you're, at that point, people like you are campaigning for a second referendum. If you're just going to call all of these people arseholes, what's the point of having a second referendum? Because it's going to be the same result again, except worse hmm. if you're campaigning strategy in the second referendum is to go you were all fucking stupid fucking stupid well yeah and, and there was I mean, it's it's easy to forget you know there was that guy that set up a website which was showing how many of the older people that voted brexit were dying on a daily basis to change the metrics of the vote i don't know who it was that set up that website but <laughs> I feel I feel damn sure that when COVID started, he'd immediately have afflicted this government are letting yeah, old yeah. people die. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I think that this. I think that that's. Uh, uh, I think that. Well, when I first sort of became interested in politics, one of the good things, many, many, many things that are brilliant about you know, young people engaging pol- political ideas and so on. Now, I think in general, but something that I think that has declined has been the sort of. The way in which people used to think, probably because you had no choice, if I'm in a minority, then I've got to try and win people round. I've got to be a little bit Henry Fonda in 12 Angry Men. I've got to have a strategy. I've got to divide the people who sort of go, oh, I'm not sure I agree with you there. I've I've got to divide them from the people who are just absolutely appalling like in any workplace you know there'll be one or two people who are just out and out racist and horrible but there won't be many people there's not many people like that and you've got to think how do i win people round and what arguments do i use and you've got to get on with people even if you don't agree with them and all that sort of thing and i found that very frustrating in that period after the referendum and when there was a possibility of a second referendum the number of people who were just on the Remain side, whose just strategy was just to call everybody a thick, stupid arsehole if they voted leave. <laughs> I just thought. Yeah. I mean, if if stupid. I mean, like of all the things, because the thing was, if you voted Tory, you were you were selfish and evil. Um, but then the Brexit vote, because and a lot of Tory voters have kind of come to terms with being called that. But then then Brexit went one further, which was that you were stupid and racist. So by the time you're calling people stupid, racist, selfish and evil, it, it probably served yeah. the purpose of, of entrenching. It certainly did with me. Are you like you go, all right, you know, those people mm-hmm. appear to be calling me with that. I probably ended up being more that way inclined than I would have been right. for um, for a time. But if you just bring it down to a discussion, if you think of it as a, a discussion with a person, I think that the moment that you called somebody stupid and racist, I don't think the, 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 that would be it then. That would be like the, the crane-kicking karate kid. That would be like, the, you know, you kind of... No, 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 uh, no, exactly. You've got to, you know, but it's that, it's, and also it's, it's, um, well, it's so wrong, obviously, to start with, because you're, you're not differentiating between, you know, Nigel Farage, I think, is racist, and then lots of other people who are persuaded by someone like that to vote 
to vote leave because they think, oh, yeah, there are too many immigrants or my door hasn't been able to get a council flat and yet there's a bloody curd got one up the road and so on. Almost certainly that won't be true. Almost certainly there'll be way. But you have to listen to people and I get where they're coming from and what are you really annoyed about and win people if you can't try and do that. You're not going to do it by... Just, but you know how yeah. you do win people over in the end and how we, the, the journey back towards rejoining the, the flawless institution that is the EU starts. It starts with some little flags uh, at an elite cultural event that no fucker watches or goes to, broadly speaking. Just going to move on uh, just quickly to talk about these couple of stories, which I suppose come into the realms of nanny state here a bit. So first up is the potential banning of disposable vapes. I must say, right, I the moment I saw that they became disposable. I did think this is this is a lot of waste and this is a lot of metals and things that are currently in quite short supply. It feels like an odd time in human history to just be fuck. I mean, at least with tobacco, you can grow it, right? Um, yeah, so that's but relatively healthy and sustainable. <laughs> organic smoking. <laughs> Why have they not called it that? You're tobacconist. Sustainable, vegetarian. Yeah, I think they've, they've missed a trick right. with not calling it but they've missed the trick with not calling it organic smoking but what happened was originally with vaping it was a very blokey thing wasn't it because there were these huge cumbersome things but they used to be like these weird rigs so when the guys would put the vape thing together it looked like somebody assembling a fucking rifle you know and and so a lot of that didn't appeal to women because they weren't very feminine they weren't you know they weren't very small and stuff and then the moment they went like do you want mountain freshness in a fucking nice little tiny thing and, and it's exploded. So while I don't really like governments interfering with adults' capacity to make choices, it does feel like a fucking strange time for us to be just going, hey, let's see a way of make, using up loads of plastic and metal. Right. I can consider, I'll be honest with you, it's not really entered my world uh, very much. I mean, I was talking about my son Elliot uh, earlier today because I was talking about this for you, and he, I didn't really know anything. I've never, have you been, ever been a smoker? No, no. Uh, no, I, I never have, and and so it's all a bit of a mystery to me, really, the vaping. And then, and is it? I mean, I'm I'm absolutely talking out of ignorance here because I don't know. It seems to me that the consensus is that vaping is less harmful than smoking, but still more harmful than not doing either. Yeah. So ninety. Well, the problem is, is when you say something's ninety five percent less harmful than smoking, is that an idiot might think I can do that. 50 times more than smoking <laughs> and still come out even. I think the maths on that might be right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, but the problem is, is just having an addiction isn't a good thing in the first place. So if no. you're, there is this weird thing that people that never smoke suddenly was like, they found their entry level. They've gone, oh, vaping, I'll, I'll do the vaping because mm. it sounds, it sounds cool. If maybe it feels cleaner, perhaps. Do you think uh, they'll, they'll be vape for other things like crack? Why not vape yeah. your crack? It's 95% <laughs> less carcinogenic. <laughs> well, they, they, I mean, the thing is... Vape your smack, and it's, you know, you haven't got all that fussing about with veins and needles and... And spoons, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the weird thing watching is... Watching up, it's, it's the, yeah. Watching up. It is the only drug, tobacco, that has, has sort of developed with technology, because none of the other stuff has. Mm. It's all remained fairly static. So you're right. Maybe the the real inspiration there is to, I mean, preloaded syringes. That that must be a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty dark to think about. It's very but. wasteful. I mean, not only are you, you're not only you're running the risk of overdosing. Not only are you killing mm. yourself, but you know, think what you're doing to the dolphins. 
Thing we do to the dolphins. And actually, I mean, you, we all agree that you shouldn't share needles, but we all also you need to recycle. It's, yeah, it's yeah. tough out there, Mark. It's yes. tough. I, I mean, yeah, am I, I now going to get I, in I trouble should... for that? <laughs> I, that'll be one of those ones. That, well, this week, <laughs> you were you were encouraging the spread of HIV and hepatitis C. <laughs> I, um, see, I, I think it's very complicated, the question about the, you know, the nanny state and personal responsibility and, and so on. I think it's one of those issues where if you start from an overall philosophy, you go, well, I support a sort of libertarian point of view that it's up to personal choice entirely and so on. And therefore, I'm going to reply that to everything. I don't think that makes sense any more than it does to go the other way around and say that the state should dictate exactly what you you consume. So smoking, clearly, it clearly is a good thing. It clearly is a good thing that smoking cigarettes as... Well, for example, the fact that you can't have sporting events sponsored, you can't have the Benson and Edges cricket and the the embassy... uh, snooker so amazing thing i mean 25 30 years ago <laughs> so many things like yeah okay yeah. smoking this sporting event oh you'll be able to play so much better if you have 25 of these a day uh it's incredible. Mm. so of course it's all part of making it not cool i suppose and i think that's a good thing that saves a huge number of lives i'm not against that at all, I think that's a good thing. But uh, uh, oh god, I don't, I don't know. It's yet one more thing that the older I get, the more I realise I have no idea of what a coherent argument about it is. But I don't. Well, the, uh, I mean, yeah, but I mean, obviously, young people are. It, it's what it, what's incredible about smoking, but it's obviously a very addictive thing because it was just at the point like the percentage of the public public that smoked had gone down exponentially since the 90s like it really had dropped off a cliff and just when it was out of the game that they just found a, a final yes. like hail a hail mary like yes. there's got to be other ways of, of doing it and I, I think it's such i've always found smoking such a strange thing because there are a lot of addictions where you go all right i'll do that it gives me a particular buzz and but mm. it would obviously be inappropriate to do that in certain situations so like i love a lager but i'm also aware that I can't just sort of do that, you know, I can't like just stand outside at work and just drink like a Corona and then go back in. So we're smokers, they're like the real committed ones. They're like, I want to do this every day, repeatedly throughout every single day. Do they not just forget to smoke some days? Like, oh, fuck, I forgot I'm a smoker. (laughs) It's quite an addiction, isn't it? Yeah. Gambler will go, uh, they won't gamble once every 40 minutes. They won't no, go, oh, no. Oh, no, can I I've just got to go outside at work in the office. They're not all like outside in the in the And that would be the final January. phase of it. That would be the, the final phase of the addiction just before one of their kids was being sold at cash converters, right? That would be like the very last stage. So I've always thought like smokers are a bit piss taky in a way because I know that, they, that obviously they'll talk about how much they give the economy and, and there's, there's some truth in that. But I just thought it's a bit greedy, isn't it? Like, why do you think that you should be able to do this periodically so many times throughout every every day? Well, I suppose that it's, it's, it's a, well, it's addiction, isn't it? And you have to try and be kind about that and go, well, people are addicted. Do you? Or you could ju- just judge them heavily, like <laughs> and harshly and without mercy. Yeah, well, this is <laughs> the struggle I have. Like, this is the struggle I have all the time is I think, oh, it must mm. be terrible that person's got, you know, they've suffered trauma and that's why they're behaving like that and they haven't been set boundaries and they've got ADHD and they've got all of these different things. And then every now and again, oh, I'm 
Fuck it. Do you know what you might try? Not being an arsehole. See if that fucking works. <laughs> See if you can fucking cure your can't help being an arsehole disorder. See, see, see if you can take the loud messages that life is shouting at you every time you do this stupid thing. The banning of these XL bully dogs. I mean, first up, so last week when I was talking with Finn, I mean, I, I made a, a sort of surface level presumption about puberty blockers. And I said, look, if you're just going on the name, it doesn't sound like the greatest thing in the world to block puberty, right? So there might be a whole world of scientific evidence and stuff, but if we're just doing it on a sniff test based on the name, that <laughs> doesn't sound the greatest idea. So XL bully dogs. I mean, if, you, if you, these people that are out there now on fucking Times Radio and all these places, they, they, they're finding these people that are willing to say, well, my one's lovely. We go, well, that's not the fucking problem, is it? I, I'm sorry. I mean, I really am. Like, me and my wife really disagreed on this earlier, but... I do not understand people that have dogs that are like fucking five stone of muscle and teeth in their house because people say, oh, cockapoos will, will kick off more often. But who gives a fuck? With a cockapoo, you just fling it... <laughs> you, you can fling it off you. Yeah, yeah, you can fling it off. If, if a cockapoo has a bad day at the office... Do you know yeah. what I mean? It, that is the worst that happens is HR gets involved. If an XL bully dog has a bad day at the office, some of the office is getting shot up, isn't it? it that's yeah. the difference. And and I think that I guess what it is though, it, we sort of forgotten that the dangerous dogs thing is periodical, isn't it? So in our mm. lives, you and I, growing up in South London, would have remembered the Doberman years, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Rottweiler years, yeah, and then there was a long dogs. period, pit bulls, staffies, mm. and then it seems to it seemed to have come staffies. I mean, they've got form. Let's be honest. Mm. Um, if there's, you know, if there's something, something going on, staffies, you might want to just ring your, just check with your local staffies have got alibis. Yeah, you know. the Sweeney uh, would be would be <laughs> round to see the staffy. What is it, Jack? What have I done now? Seems like but the, a couple of people with teeth marks in their leg. Nothing to do with me, Jack. Yeah. And then they go. I tell you what, do want to talk to? Like, who's that then? Wow. We ain't even the ones anymore. It's these XL bully dogs. <laughs> They're going around, roughing up people all around the joint gym. <laughs> We're out. We're yesterday's day. news. Change, Jack. <laughs> I mean, there was one scene, there was one clip we particularly horrific was um it started off with one of these bully dogs um uh, uh like mauling a girl. Luckily the girl was okay. But then these guys got involved and then this dog chased this guy all the way to a petrol forecourt and it was like mm -hmm. this horror in slow motion. The guy kept slipping and then the dog like basically was just hanging off his fucking arm. And and, and I, I think that when half of all the dog-related deaths are coming from one breed, I don't think that's necessarily profiling. It's not breedism, it's is right. it? XL bully dogs. <laughs> My XL bully dog, he's never bullied up. Why is he called an XL bully dog? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I didn't yeah. think of that when I got it. And uh, called it Predator. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I know that's it, it's no, it's not, it's not right. And I know, well, you know, but I know when I my son and daughter were in the were young, and I'd take them to the park, and every now and again there'd be a dog going berserk. And I, you know, I've become much more of a fan of dogs over recent years, and I've been you know, yeah. a little bit involved with a couple of dogs, and I really come to enjoy it. But, um, uh, but yeah, a wild, crazy dog. I remember one going berserk at my son in a park, and the owner being like. He won't hurt you. That when they do that, 
he won't hurt. Yeah, he's never done this before. Like, what, what, what are you going to say? You're going, this is actually the third time he's done it in three years, but I love him. I mean, that's what that's the honest answer, isn't it? To say that, I mean, and this is where I have some sympathy for the owners. Is like they've got this dog, and if they've trained it well, and all that sort of stuff, they they love this dog, and they, you know the idea that the state are going to come and fucking put a bullet in this dog's head, metaphorically speaking, is obviously a horrific thing. But you can't, you know, this is the problem with the way that social media and rolling news works. If you find one particularly persuasive, well turned out lady, and it's got an XL bully dog there, but even so, this lady was doing the rounds, doing the interviews. But I was just looking at the dog's eyes. I was going, he could go any minute. <laughs> and if one of the cameramen, if one of the bigger cameramen, made a sudden move towards this woman, that guy's losing his forearm. Yeah. So was she like I didn't see that? Was she? I really, put, I put it to you that my my particular little cherub. <laughs> It's a beautiful little XL bully dog that would never harm a soul. And well, how been teaching it ballet. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's, taken rather, it's taken rather a fondness to learning, to learning the xylophone. And uh, I, I don't think it has an aggressive bone in its body. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting in the background. It just... I know it is. I know it is. But, but then, again, the state, if people started having lions... I'll tell you what, my lion wouldn't hurt no one. Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't mauled anybody for seven years. Yeah. And the time he did, that kid got way too close. Yeah. I mean, it's love, isn't it? Love makes you blind. And I guess for some people, the idea that they have this ferocious, devoted protector with them, it's a, it's a hard bond to break. But but the numbers the numbers are there. And when they say, well, oh, it's about training, you know, and training the owners, you go, right, be realistic. Is that going to happen with most people, right? The, the training with, like, with our dog, we train the first one. The second one is a fucking nightmare. Just like, we just, we couldn't be asked. We just hope that she, somehow by osmosis, she become reasonable and she's an absolute prick. And that's done. Now she's tiny, she's tiny and she wants to fight every dog. She's like fucking scrappy do. If she was an XL bully, I don't, I mean, look, if I had a dog that big, I, I might have been a bit more focused on the training process, but we know what human beings are like. Half of us didn't teach our kids during lockdown, you know, got sent work by the schools. We didn't do that. So, mm. I'm so I mean, this is uh, this is where you'll always have a subject that comes along that go, makes you question what you say your principles are. So, yes, I'm a libertarian, but I do want to ban disposable vapes. And I do think that these dogs can't be allowed to roam the streets of Britain. So we're going to sort of end on on a um, a bit of a hype here. I mean, obviously you've got your fantastic podcast. How many episodes have you done? Of that I think now? We're now to two hundred and sixteen. Uh, I think we've got a hundred number hundred coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's going fun, isn't it? It's one, I wonder what we're going to look back back on the sort of podcast age and think, why did we do that then? I mean, I love to you know I love doing it. Mm. It's great that people yeah, do I love these it, things yeah. and. Uh, but there's millions, everyone. You speak to everyone now. If you go in the news agent, oh, yeah, I'll do a podcast, you know, the, about Kit Kats, how many Kit Kats we've sold. And then you find there's a rival Kit Kat podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is. I mean, because there's those guys, aren't they? Lineker's company, Gold Camp Hanger Production. Yeah. So they've got, they originally had the rest is history. Then the rest is politics. Then the rest is football. I'm just gonna ha- I'm just gonna start up loads of podcasts called the rest is, and I'm gonna go for every subject. The rest is geography. The rest is hardcore porn. I'm just gonna go, and then I'm hopefully and eventually I'll get like a massive payday from Linux. I bet there is a hardcore. There probably. I bet there are at least ten hardcore porn 
Hello. No, there are there are pod. of. Oh, what would it be called? What would the hardcore porn website? The Fluffers. It would be called The Fluffers, wouldn't it? So you'd speak to the guys that just, and it would be a hilarious behind the scenes <laughs> encounter. Um, just in, in uh, so yeah, people should ch- check out um, your podcast. You have a great guest and, and um, you know, always come at it in such an open-minded and funny way. And obviously my book's out, so I've, my publisher made me, he said it'd be good for you to have a little, a little, a little item at the end of your podcast, and so it's called the British Bloke Decoded. There's a number of subjects on the back, things that I've pledged to unpack here. You know, I'm basically sticking up for your average bloke, but also trying to explain blokes to the uninitiated. Um, one of the things that I spoke about on my last tour is is men wanting medals for doing basic tasks. Mm. Is that is that you know women say, oh, "Would you want a medal?" And internally you're going, "Yeah, like." Hundred percent for everything. <laughs> I'm special. I'm a special boy. Do, do you do you suffer from the medal delusion? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I've. I don't think so. I mean, maybe because I sort of left left my parents home when I was eighteen and lived in a squat. Uh, so instead of having every all the domestic tasks done for me, uh, as was done by my parents, for the next three years. No domestic tasks were done whatsoever, so uh, I sort of learnt to. I learnt to be self medal in that way. Yeah, yeah. I learnt to just live in the most appalling squalor, uh, and then bit by bit, thought, "All oh, right, it is up to me if I'm not going to live." There was one bloke, not me, lived a couple of doors from me, and whenever he made a cup of tea, he just got the tea bag and threw it into the corner. And after a couple of years, there was quite possibly a world record breaking mound of tea bags it was about four foot it could probably be be a a work of art you could probably genuinely call it a work of art there was mold all over it Hmm. it was that the tracy m in style installment yeah 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 yeah. could quite easily be tracy m and then it um uh and so i i just did nothing and then by the time i got to about 21 i thought oh no i think i have got to do a few domestic tasks. In fact, I find the sort of traditionally non-masculine ones from the 1950s, I find those easier. I quite like cleaning and ironing and things like that. Um, but the traditional ones, the sort of things you, you sometimes talk about, Jeff, I, I'm terrible at those. Bleeding well, radiator, I might as, you might as well ask me to, you know, cons- I'd have been better off part of the Oppenheimer project than trying to bleed the radiator. <laughs> Let's try try you on another one then. Is my my contention that most men have a favourite motorway service station? Yeah. Is, can you can you go straight away? Can you? Well, I'm a bit obvious for any T Bay. I mean, the hipster the the movement for T Bay is I I would argue is a hipster movement mm-hmm. because it's it's a lot of it's based around a nice view and local produce. Whereas for me, service stations are about sterile clinical sort of utilitarian like a bridge over to the other side like that I've always thought that was a great thrill that you could go from one side yeah whereas T-Bay it seems to me it's interesting I'm up against the movement here the T-Bay thing it's it's got had by far the most votes I've been well I've been yeah I've gone over to that side I'm afraid I quite when there's a sort of a cafe that pops up in the area and it's new and it's oh there's some Belgians and they're doing some you know beautiful uh, porridge made entirely out of thistles i find myself going, I cinnamon. 
You, you've lo- you've lo- you lost to the tribe, Mike. Well, may maybe maybe a little a little read of this book, but we'll get you back. Where you know you're, 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 you're work, a working class bloke from South London. You're, you're a Crystal Palace fan. And, and hopefully it'll get you thinking about fry ups and, and pasties from from Watford Gap maybe. I'll just yeah, just throw yeah, that out yeah. there. Watford Gap class service station. You sold out yeah. still. Any old days you could have gone for fucking Watford Gap. Maybe even Rovers fault, even though that's been given a different name. You know what they've got worse. This is this a, a, you'll you'll notice this. Any comic would notice this. They shut at night, don't they? What an outrage! That yeah, yeah. Used to be yeah, a, that's that a marvelous thing. A service station, little oasis of semi-life in the gloom, and a, maybe someone going around one of them industrial clean yeah, things. Yeah. But all the things open, and now they're just there's W H Smiths. The bit of corner of W H Smiths is open if you're lucky. It's shut. So I think right at the end there, you've come up, happened upon something, a petition we need to get going is we need to bring back the option for a midnight all day breakfast at a shit service station. <laughs> the thrill of a breakfast at midnight. Fantastic. Fried and it would, raise, it would improve the mental health. We talk about men's mental health, improve the mental health of all the truckers, all the fellas it on the would, road. And well, a serious thing is you could be, um, you know, you, you need a little break to not be tired, but you can't. They're shut. You'd probably save 85,000 lives a day. <laughs> that is the kind <laughs> that is the kind of stats that, that, that I that I enjoy. Mark Steele, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Obviously, people uh, should check out your podcast and see you live if ever they get the chance and all your stuff on Radio 4. Yeah, I'm going around the country again. I've got about 20 dates. You know, we've always got 20 dates, haven't we? I can't remember where I'm going. Um, Shrewsbury and... Uh, we're so bad at advertising, aren't we? If we were American, we'd be going, so you can see us in Connecticut, but Baltimore, yeah, yeah. or something, something. Uh, uh, but uh, we, we're English and we go... Oh, somewhere or other. Yeah, uh, check the web. But I always think it's a good entry. If people can't think Mark's to Google Mark Steele live dates, then perhaps it's a good first filter on who you want at your gigs. Yes, I think that's right. And I think that if you come along to the show, I would very much hope that you bring a little European flag and uh, you smuggle it in. We'll get some security guards to stop you, but you've got to have the wherewithal to sneak it in, maybe dig a tunnel. Yeah. Something like that. Pretend to be a security guard, and it will feel feel like the French Resistance. Yeah. Uh, Mark Steele, thanks so much for coming back on the show, and I'll be back next week. Cheers, mate. Thank you.